Hundreds of thousands of people in our area live in food deserts. Uh, there are low-income areas without large supermarkets and lacking healthy, affordable food. Yeah, generally they're in uh, black and Hispanic neighborhoods, including the South Bronx, Bed-Stuy, and parts of Harlem and Staten Island. Not only is the access to food limited, but the quality of food is even worse. On the Upper West Side, when you see stores where kids can't get inside but simply pass their money through a bulletproof window for a piece of edible crap, when you see, you know, 40 and 50 kinds of malt liquor available for 99 cents, but no vegetables in a store, you start realizing that there is a lack of equity, a lack of parity, and a lack of opportunity here for most people. This is Stephen Ritz, a public school teacher from New York City, founder of the Green Bronx Machine, who spent a lifetime fighting for healthier food options by growing the food right in his neighborhood, the South Bronx. I'm Sophia. I'm Lizzie Ann. And with the help of Stephen Ritz, we will take a journey to reconnect with the food we eat in cities from farm to table. This is From Concrete City to Jungle, How Urban Farming Can Transform American Cities. Growing up in Bed-Stuy, New York, I couldn't care less about the food I ate. Before college, you could have told me that our meat was injected with growth hormones and plastics, a silicon imitation of living animals, and I would have responded, but will I die? I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and at home I had access to natural healthy foods, but at the public school that I attended, the food was always packaged and processed. It had the perfect formula of savory and sweet, and I liked it a lot better. I also didn't have the knowledge to stop and question what I was eating. I even remember a mandatory nutritional class in high school that was supposed to teach me how to read a nutrition label. I never took it seriously, and neither did my classmates. None of us were going to give up Oreos and Sprite for celery and pineapple cubes. And part of this is the lack of access that you had to vegetables and fruits, right? Well, kind of. Fruits and vegetables are in supermarkets. They're just expensive. For the most part, people know that unhealthy diets can cause health problems, but they eat them anyways because it makes them full for cheap. And the people in charge know that they can make money from the scarcity mindset and demand for cheap food. And that's what we'll further explore in this podcast, through the story of food injustice in the South Bronx and the Green Bronx Machine, an urban farming organization started by Stephen Ritz, who we mentioned earlier. So now let's go back to Stephen Ritz. He was born and raised in the South Bronx, so he's not a stranger to the health impacts of a poor diet. 30 plus years ago when I started teaching, uh, there were far fewer kids with asthma and obesity and heart disease than there are now. Now everybody knows someone on insulin, someone on a walker, um, someone who is suffering from some sort of chronic environmentally caused disease. The inaccessibility of produce is largely due to the lack of proximity to gardens and farms, compounded by the extreme heat found in low-income areas due to a lack of nature to absorb sunlight. You don't need to be a weatherman to realize that we are the casualties of climate change right in urban America. And Stephen wanted to take action, so he started the Green Bronx Machine. When you name something green and Bronx, it's really not the association that people make, and we'd like to redefine that narrative. How'd you get the idea to start the Green Bronx Machine? Many years ago, someone sent me a box of daffodil bulbs, and we hid it behind the radiator, and the heat and the steam from the radiator forced it, and the kids saw this beautiful, blooming thing of life. 
I had an epiphany. And that began the work of actually, you know, planting seeds. It planted seeds in my mind. And kids felt great. They felt wonderful. And I wanted to replicate that success. Even as an adult, it's such a spectacle for me to see wildflowers, jackrabbits, even chickens on Stanford's campus. That's just something you'll never find in the city. So it's no wonder why Stephen's students light up at a site so opposed to the metal and congestion of New York City. It was only a matter of time then to go from flowers to actual food, especially when the students have a personal stake in learning about the food that they eat. And let me be clear, the greatest school supply, the most important school supply in this nation is not computers, it is food, because children will never be well-read if they are not well-fed. With these ideas, Stephen contacted the Bronx Borough president and a man named George Irwin, who runs the company Green Living Technologies. They made a plan to build a wall of edible plants in Stephen's classrooms so his kids could learn to grow food. What even is an edible wall? Imagine you're looking at a wall, but it's not concrete. It's a hollowed out structure packed with soil two to four inches deep. You can plant anything you want in there, carrots, lettuce, arugula, strawberries, you name it. And the plants grow out of the wall. Once the plants are ready, you can go up to the wall whenever you want and get something to eat. Later, Stephen created a curriculum that teaches kids how to grow, harvest, and cook their own food wall so that they can be the participants of the entire farm to table process and reap the rewards at the end. Teaching kids to grow food is great, but how is that really going to change food insecurity in the South Bronx? To answer that question, we should clearly explain what's causing food insecurity in the South Bronx. The truth is, it's the fault of our current food system, which is run by giant companies. They treat food like a commodity to maximize profit. There's a reason why things have evolved this way, and there are some people who will say, oh, the food system is broken. I'm here to tell you the food system is doing exactly what it is designed to do. Extract as much from as many as possible and concentrate it in the hands of a few. This broken agricultural system is known as industrial farming. Think mega machine corporations manipulating thousands of acres of cropland and corn, exploiting millions of chickens and cows, multi-ton tractors spraying hundreds of hard to pronounce chemicals into our vegetables and fruits. And not to mention the millions of underpaid and overworked migrant workers crouched under the beating sun to put some processed fast food burger on our plates. The cost to our health, to our morality, because all these companies care about is money. With agricultural production, manufacturing, and transportation, the industrial food system emits nearly 50% of greenhouse gas emissions overall. They don't care about the environment, not if it gets in the way of making money. And because these companies can mass produce cheap, unhealthy food, they create a scarcity of healthy, natural foods. And that's why you always see the Whole Foods and Natural Food Co-ops located in white, wealthy neighborhoods, charging so much for their products that most low-income people could not afford them. If you can't afford to spend $100 a week on groceries and the time it takes to cook for a family of four, of course you're going to buy the 10-cent bags of instant noodles you can heat in a microwave. Food justice is racial justice. Who yeah. has access to what, where, when, and how determines everything. And when, you know, the most rebellious thing you can do is to teach kids to grow their own food. So clearly, the Green Bronx machine is disrupting the status quo of profit over people on the planet. But how exactly are they doing that? This should be a movement of the people, by the people, for the people serving people. And people respond to that. 
you know, to move from being consumers to producers is absolutely part of who we are and what we do. Think about who's benefiting the most. At industrial agricultural companies, it's the CEOs. But at the Green Bronx Machine, it's students and their families. Black and brown communities becoming producers and gaining economic self-sufficiency. That brings them power. And the Green Bronx Machine isn't just teaching kids to grow food. It's providing them with job training and after-school programs and knowledge about how to build sustainable urban farming technology, which is growing in demand across the world. So tell me more about the technology the Green Bronx Machine uses. Like we talked about earlier, the Green Bronx Machine builds these things called edible walls. And that's just one type of what is called vertical farming. Vertical farms can also be grown on shelves, trellises, or any container that can be stacked vertically. This changes the game for urban farming because it uses 90% less space and 90% less water than conventional farms do, meaning vertical farms can be built almost anywhere, regardless of environmental conditions, and they use less energy. That would emit less greenhouse gas emissions than industrial farms, too. And imagine if cities start growing as much food as possible in the real estate available to us, whether it's vertical walls, rooftops, or abandoned city lots. We might not need to rely so heavily on these companies taking over giant plots of land to grow food, cutting down millions of trees and causing deforestation, and manipulating the land unsustainably. After Stephen taught his students how to build edible walls, word spread. His kids were hired by landscape designers to go to Boston and install a green wall. Then, they were hired to spend the summer building rooftop gardens in the Hamptons. Since then, the Green Bronx Machine has helped 2,200 local kids get jobs. They've seen daily attendance rates in Bronx public schools rise from 40 to 93 percent. And they've seen a 45% increase in passing rates on school-wide science exams. Their curriculum spread to 675 schools across America, supporting 275,000 students overall. And it keeps gaining national attention. Numbers and accolades are great, but I want to know more about how the Green Bronx Machine is impacting the South Bronx. What do these changes really look like? Well, for one thing, kids are taking what they learn in the classroom home to their families, both the food they grow and the ideas they learn. When kids come home with the knowledge of where their vegetables come from and how they can grow them, that can really change perceptions of food. Food already has a lot of personal and cultural meaning to people, and this is just adding on to that. And it helps when food can be grown in outdoor green spaces, too. The Green Fox Machine started a fully-fledged outdoor garden, the Food for Others Garden, in an abandoned city street. Now, anyone can come to grow food there. Students, teachers, families, anyone looking for fresh food who may not be able to afford it. And, and that's something that really brings people together to think that my students took a formerly abandoned city street that had 400 empty cars and was a den of disease and disease and dysfunction and turned it into one of the most lush farms that you will find anywhere is proof positive of what local people can do. We have a plethora of volunteers who want to get engaged and involved, whether it is a day of service or ongoing commitments or an opportunity to show people. We've had amazing interfaith days of service, even during the pandemic. We were, to bring, we were able to bring people together, regardless of race, creed, religion, and background, for something that is universal to all of us.
With these indoor and outdoor gardens, the Green Bronx Machine has brought 116,000 pounds of fresh vegetables and fruits to South Bronx residents' plates. Imagine if we could have these types of gardens and this food access in every urban neighborhood. It's weird looking back at my childhood in New York City, how you don't even realize what you're lacking until you're taught an alternative. I missed out on truly understanding the worth of food, that loving food, valuing fresh food, understanding where it's grown and how it gets to me, was also loving myself and finding value in myself. I think everybody across the country should get involved with some form of food justice, food equity, and bringing local food to local communities. I think now more than ever, with so much of our food bathed in fossil fuel, the ability to teach children about growing food, where it comes from, what it truly is, that it's not a mess. The truth is, there are South Bronxes everywhere, in every city of America. We may not all be from these places, but it's worth learning about how we can support the many community-based urban farming initiatives that are making environmental justice a reality. Imagine being able to pick your groceries straight off of a wall covered with fruits and vegetables, or even from a garden in your local neighborhood where people can build community and healthier lifestyles. Instead of the concrete city, New York could be known as the green city, where dreams are made of. You've been listening to From Concrete City to Jungle, How Urban Agriculture Can Transform American Cities, which was written and produced by Sophia Manolis and Lizzie-Ann Nemlin. Special thanks to Stephen Ritz from The Green Bronx Machine, Laura Joyce Davis from Stanford Storytelling Project, and the rest of our oral communications class for supporting this piece. Goodbye.